Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn to James chapter 2 if you have your Bible this morning. We've made it out of chapter 1 of James, finally. But before we, we dive in and while you're turning there, uh, I want to thank you for a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, over the last several weeks, uh, we've collected over $7,000 uh, for tornado relief for our folks in Pasadena and in Deer Park, and uh, we'll have, we've sent that money to two different organizations uh, to help. One, a, a clothing group that we partner with already, Clothed by Faith, and the other one to a response uh, network uh, here in town to help them do that. And so thank you for your generosity as usual. Uh, and we have another opportunity to pray uh, and to give. Um, some of you, probably most of you know that uh, this past week there was a terrible earthquake uh, in Turkey uh, on the border of Turkey and Syria. Uh, nearly 30,000 people have died uh, because of that earthquake. Uh, we have a church member whose extended family uh, lives uh, near that region and had to evacuate uh, more towards Istanbul, which is the crossroads of Europe and Asia. Uh, and uh, it, it's terrible. Uh, we have international missionaries there that I know that uh, have just expressed the devastation. And thankfully, uh, the country of Turkey has opened their arms to uh, Baptist relief agencies uh, to come and bring aid. And so today on your way out, if you feel led or over the next week or so, you can also go online. Uh, you just got some cash, you want to write a check, whatever you're going to do, place it in one of the, the offering boxes. You can just put earthquake, Turkey, the country of, not the turkey leg that uh, Randy was referring to earlier. Uh, uh, or disaster, anything that she'll, Brenda will figure it out so that we can uh, minister to people uh, in that country uh, and, and the devastation, uh, which will go right along with what we're showing today, sharing today. And then finally, the third big thing you may have noticed, you may not have noticed, but when you walked in today, if you came in through the foyer, there is no longer mauve carpet. It was only excitement from one little section over here, which saddens me, truthfully, saddens me. Uh, uh, because of uh, a bunch of people and some of you in the past and your generosity uh, through one of our capital campaigns and the uh, encouragement of one of our staff members uh, at a business meeting, we recarpeted uh, the foyer and the stairwell uh, and also painted. Uh, there's going to be some acoustic treatment going up in there as well because if you've stood there and talked, all of you in the balcony can hear us uh, if someone's standing in the foyer. And then our next stop is the bathrooms. Uh, I've already had one person request uh, the, those mauve countertops uh, for their home. So if you want one, you better act fast, okay? Act fast. Uh, they're going quickly. Uh, so that's my public service announcement for the day. If you've never used our restrooms, hey, go by this morning. Uh, you, it'll be a treat, uh, I promise. Well, in the book of James, uh, chapter 2, uh, James uh, finishes chapter 1 talking about what it means to have real worship uh, to live out your faith in a real way, which is what, what the whole book is about, uh, but ministering to widows and orphans. And then uh, he kind of changed gears a, a little bit, but kind of in the same vein, uh, he talks to how we should treat one another. And so in James 2, verse 1, he says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 
For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, and not the rich ones who oppress, are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now James is writing to a group of people who hold faith. They they are Christians. They have put their faith in Jesus Christ. They've trusted him. That's why he calls them brothers. That's why he says, hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he fully recognizes that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust in Jesus, everything about your life changes. You're transformed by the power of God. How you think, how you speak, how you live, how you act, everything changes. Why? Because you're a new creation. You've been made brand new. The old is gone. That old, selfish, sinful life is gone. And now you have new life in Christ. So everything is different. You see everyone different. Because Christ has transformed your mind and your heart. And so how you see people should be different. This is a a struggle for us because sometimes we want to pick and choose the people who we love, who we appreciate, who we show mercy to. But when Jesus is the Lord of your life, you give up the right to choose whom you will love. You love everyone because God loves everyone. So so you give up the right, you give up that privilege because Jesus has changed your life. He has shown unconditional love to you. So now, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to show unconditional love, not just to a few, but to all, to everyone. I don't pick and choose. I choose all because he has chosen all. He's chosen me. And James uses this phrase, don't show partiality. It actually is is two words that that he combines together. He and Paul, 
It's only used here and three other places in the New Testament. It's a, it's a made-up word, actually. Uh, they, they made it up. They, they slammed two words together that literally translated into English mean receive by the face. So the phrase is don't receive by the face. Not faith, face, F-A-C-E. Don't show partiality. Don't make a judgment or show favoritism on some external quality. It reminds me of Capital One, the commercials. You've seen it. We're upstairs, there's a young girl and a couple of older teenage boys sitting on a shabby couch. This, you know, crazy looking drummer and then it pans over and there's Slash. No Guns N' Roses fans in the room? Come on, people. <laughs> With his hat and his crazy, you know, black hair, and he's just tearing it up. Not as good as Ashton, but tearing it up nonetheless. <laughs> Tear it up. And, and he gets a little bit through. I have, I have no musical talent or ability or know the words to say, but he doesn't get far. And she says, stop, 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 you're in. And all these other smucks, they just grab their guitar and they walk off. Or the other commercial they have is in the, the basketball, outdoor basketball, the, the city park. And there's all these fourth graders or so standing there. And it's, you know, short kid, short kid. Hey, Charles Barkley, short kid, short, short. And the young girl, the smartest person in the room or in the playground, I choose you, Charles Barkley favoritism because of some external quality. We do it all the time. Our culture is perfect at it. We look at someone's outward appearance, some skill they have, some ability, how they dress, and we choose them at the expense of others. We show prejudice towards others. And what James is helping his listeners, these, these young Christians, what he's helping them understand is that prejudice is contrary to God's love. God's love shows no partiality. He loves everyone equally, without condition. And he illustrates that fact with this goofy little uh, moment in worship because he says, if someone in fine clothing and a gold ring comes into your assembly, that's not his house. That, that's a public assembly of worship. And you usher him up to the front row. Well, if he was Baptist, the back row, because that's what we think is the important row. And then you tell the other guy in shabby clothing, literally filthy, like the man stinks. He smells bad. His terrible clothing. If you tell him, oh, just go over there. You, you've shown partiality. Literally, this, as he describes, for if a man wearing a gold ring, really, the, in the literal translation, it means gold-fingered. Maybe Ian Fleming got some inspiration for his James Bond movie with that. But gold-fingered, fine clothing. Today I wore 
one of the most expensive shirts I own on purpose today. I didn't buy it, and it was purchased on sale. Still expensive. Most of the things you see me wearing Sunday morning, I did not purchase. Because there are times when all we can pay attention to are the outward features. And, and, and we want to we go to that person. It's why I wrote in my little, little I call it the blurb, uh, my blurb this week on our e-newsletter. It drives me crazy that wealthy people, prominent people, famous people, they get free stuff all the time. Why is that? They don't need free stuff. It's us common people. We need the free stuff. I need the free dinner at Roadhouse. They don't, right? I need the tickets to the Super Bowl. Well, want maybe is the better way to say that. Right? that that's, the, that's the thing here. That this man, his illustration here, this usher in the, in the worship time, Shows partiality, not, not just, oh, well, I know him, he's my best friend, I'm going to give him the good seat. No, the implication is he did so with evil intent. And we're not sure what that evil intent is. Maybe the evil intent was to push the poor man to the side. Maybe the evil intent was selfishness. Oh, if I seat the rich man in the right spot, in the right place then maybe he'll do something for me. And selfishness was at the root of his treating the one person with love and honor and the other person with disdain. There's no place for prejudice under God's love. Because Jesus died for every person. His love is what brought him to this earth, what brought him to live perfectly, what brought him to minister to those who are in the greatest need, both physically and spiritually. It's what he lived for and he died for was to express love. And so how we treat others matters. How we treat one another matters. Because rather than look at the external, which is what most of us do, Jesus looks at the heart. Jesus pays attention to the heart, not the wardrobe. And it's hard for us sometimes not to do that. Way back before most of us were alive in 1739, <laughs> There was a young man named John Wesley, and John Wesley had a, had a calling, had a desire to, to reach people for Jesus. He, he wanted to, to share the gospel with everybody. The problem was the church at the time didn't particularly care for his style of sharing the gospel. And so he would go and preach in graveyards, no thank you. And fields, I could do that. Uh, fields and graveyards to try to attract people who didn't know Christ. He, he would go to the coal mines. And, and early in the morning, he would go to the coal mines and, and stand there and preach as the men would come in. And he saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved. The established church wouldn't let him in. 
They didn't accept him, and they didn't accept those people who had come to faith in Christ. And so what John Wesley did was establish the Methodist church so that people would be able to hear the gospel and all would be welcomed. And as sometimes churches go, the Methodist church began to drift. And about 100 years later or so, there was another man named William Booth, you might know his name, that wanted to, to minister and encourage and help the poor, but the church again had sort of shut its doors to those who were in need, those who didn't quite fit the demographic. And so for 14 years, William Booth lived in poverty with all these that he had established a relationship with, that he had brought to faith in Christ. And finally, after 14 years, he established the only army in the world, the only standing army in the world that has no weapons, the Salvation Army. If you ever make it on trivia, on Jeopardy, that might be one of the questions. Because it was one at one point. He established the Salvation Army so he could minister to the least of these. So that he could show love as God loves. Because those who were supposed to be holding to the faith failed to do so. They showed partiality when God calls us to a level playing field under the cross. So much so that, that as James writes to his followers all across the world at this time, he reminds them that when you and I show prejudice, we cover up sin. That's what he was doing. He was overlooking that this man who was ushering in the rich man he was overlooking his sin because James goes on to say, hey, isn't it the rich people who drag you to court? Isn't it the rich people who are oppressing you? This very one that you're trying to honor in worship is the one who's making your life miserable the rest of the week. And we, we pass over the sin. Prejudice blinds us to the sin of people. The rich are the ones who are not just oppressing you, not just causing trouble for you in court, but they're the ones who are blaspheming, speaking against the name of Jesus by whom you were called. They're slandering Jesus' name because it's not the rich that God has called. No, it was the poor, the poor in spirit, the poor who will inherit the kingdom of God to be co-heirs with Christ. And so who should we be showing honor to? One, we should be showing honor to everyone. But let's lift those who are poor. Because if you really want to fulfill the royal law, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. And then he shares this strange little like repeat of two commandments. Don't commit adultery and don't murder. And if you, if you don't commit adultery but you do murder, then you're guilty of it all. Oh, thanks for the great encouragement. That was 90% there, but oh, well, okay. And, and it's this image of a chain. 
And so you know a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And if that link breaks, the whole chain breaks. And so it, that's the concept here. If you, if you break one law, you've broken them all. You're accountable to every one of them. When that chain breaks, we all say we've got two chains. Not the wrapper. But no, you've got a broken chain. You've got a broken chain. You've broken God's law. Because that's what prejudice does. It breaks the law of God. Not, not the rules and regulations, but simply the royal law. The greatest law. The law to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we think about this, we're like, man, murder and adultery. Those are two pretty big things in our culture. Like, those are bad news. Like, showing favoritism? Come on, God. Like, g- give me a break. That, that's easy because we like to rank sin. There are some big sins, and then there's some like, oh, do your best. It's okay. Just make sure you just ask for forgiveness. It'll all be good. But perhaps we should see it just the opposite. God doesn't call don't commit adultery and don't commit murder the royal law. Like if it's the royal law, it's the cream of the crop, the top of the top. It's the thing that I better pay attention to. And he says, if you don't want to break that law, then love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law that matters the most. That we would show love and grace and mercy and no partiality to those around us. If we decide, you know what, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I've got my favorites. He says, you are committing sin. And and the the idea here is not just I've committed a sin, but I'm actually working at sin. I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm working hard to commit sin when I show partiality. When I put others on a pedestal and I push some to the side. That's what he's saying. Perhaps... You've said this, parents, to your students or children, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you've never said that, now you can. You're welcome. Students, you're welcome too. But partial obedience is also disobedience. Well, I'm going to obey some of God's laws. I'm going to obey some of Jesus's commands. I'm going to pay attention some of the time to what the Lord would have me to do and be. No, we should demonstrate love at all times to all people. And we should show mercy because mercy is victorious over judgment. We show mercy because we've been shown mercy. James drives this point home because we're going to give an account one day. And so he says, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. So this is a great statement that you and I should speak and act as if we're going to be judged by the law. 
The good news is, as he writes to these people and as I share to you, if today you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you actually won't be judged by the law of liberty. You'll be judged by one person only, Jesus. And when God, on that day you die or Jesus returns, there's only one person who you'll be judged by, and that's Jesus. And when God sees you, he's going to see Jesus if you have, a, if you have faith in Christ. But James is saying, act as if you'll be judged. Act that way. Speak and act as if you'll be judged by the law of your, because those who have no mercy won't be shown mercy, but mercy will triumph over judgment. Jesus, easy for me to say, Jesus showed us mercy. He offered us forgiveness through the cross. And so what should we offer? Mercy and grace and honor to all those around us. And so how do you treat people? Two weeks in a row here, last week was widows and orphans. This week it's the least of these. We have a calling as the people of God to show love to those without paying attention to the exterior without paying attention to how smart, how good, how fast, how strong, how able they are to help us. God's calls to love unconditionally because he loves us unconditionally. My prayer is that we would show mercy and grace to everyone, particularly those who need it the most. Because that's what God calls us to do. That we be a people of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. We're a people who honor those who need assistance, who need help, who need love, who need encouragement, who might be a little shabby, who might be a little different, who might need a little help, who might be hurting, who may not think or act like we act, but they need someone to demonstrate love to them because maybe no one has. And you'll be the difference in their life because you're living the royal law, the law of love. Will you pray with me?